Suffering from anxiety and having a fear of being trapped, particularly at things like traffic lights, my guest on today's show manifested the ultimate trapped situation. After being arrested for embezzling a very large amount of money, my guest ended up spending several years in jail. And I talk anonymously with him and his wife about the journey they've gone on, how they have survived the dark night of the soul, what tools they utilized, what gifts they received, what lessons they learned, what wisdom do they have to share. Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Jane Donovan. We've all gone through the dark night of the soul. Every one of us. We've gone into the darkness, done the work, and come out with the gifts. My guests today have likewise gone through their dark night of the soul. So I am joined by a husband and wife team who are remaining anonymous as they share with me their journey from being arrested for embezzlement to serving jail time to reintegrating back into society. This is a higher vibrational, very conscious conversation. These people have great poles of wisdom to share, wonderful insight, and great knowledge that we can all benefit from. I hope you enjoy the conversation. What happened? What do you feel led to that? Because such a conscious, evolved soul, and I truly believe that with each of us and every person listening to this podcast, that a switch can go off at any point. A trigger can occur that can have us do stuff that is not what we would normally do. Do you feel that that something specific happened that triggered you or was it a down the rabbit hole and that's where you ended up? I'm not sure about a trigger. I think it's a sequence of events. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking. I didn't want to butt in and say, but as I was thinking through the process, it was more a series of events, one that couldn't stop rolling. rolling. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable to share? Yeah, I think um, so. The events started at a previous um, job where I was getting panic attacks. Uh-huh, so anxiety. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of started, and I, and I look back on it, and I think it might have been sleep deprivation at the time. Yeah. Um, I was in that place sleeping when they didn't have curtains, and I really just should have put the curtains up. And, but, you know, I was going to, to bed late, and as soon as in summer, at 5 o'clock, so I was getting four hours sleep a night, and I don't function on long term. And most yeah. people don't. So I had that, and then I got on to um, some medication for that, and then I became more and more reliant on the medication, and to the point where I was probably having double or triple the doses of medication at, at sporting events and then alcohol just to get through the event. Right, so you were involved in a, a high-profile sporting event. Yeah. And were you anxious during that period as well? Yeah. So the anxiety was starting to now play out in every yes. area of your life? Yes. Driving. Right. I, I couldn't wait at traffic lights. Um if a traffic light was red and he could see it ahead, he'd always placed himself in a particular lane that he could turn off on side streets to avoid stopping at the lights. Okay, wow, so it really affected how if you were functioning. Escape, I think. Escape? It was right. so I could escape, so I wasn't trapped there. 
like the, the worst thing that you could do is have two trucks next to me and I'm in the middle lane. Right. So there was that trapping sensation. With, with, with couldn't go for feeling. a walk. Couldn't go just for a casual after work, had tea, nice weather, let's go for a walk. Couldn't go for a walk without having his tablets in his pocket. That's interesting, isn't it? Because then you ended up trapped. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it, yes. it's, it's yeah, a sad yeah. irony, isn't you it? You've got what you thought, really. Entrapment, Entra- that's what you'll get. You, you've yeah. got to try and steer yourself to, to free thinking is the only way to get out of that situation because eventually the events will change for you. So I was in that mode. I then got... Um, I, I was doing uh, broking, even though the press said I was never a broker. So the lies in the press were annoying. But yeah, well that, that's one of the things I wanted to ask was that how much of the story that the media no, even the amount, portrayed? The amount was a, was a build-up of all transactions. So basically um, what I was getting involved with... Well, so I'll go back. So, so you were having the panic attacks. You yeah. were finding it very hard to be functioning anywhere, really. Yeah, I got into to breaking, and then that's an, an interesting game to get into. And then... So then I ended up getting a job somewhere else, which was a more stable position, and I, after all that I was probably feeling bored and underutilised. Um, but in that time I got involved with someone um, who was involved with people that had a long criminal history. Um, but the people, the pe- person or the people that he got involved with were reputable business people have a very successful business one of their friends then and it was by chance because it was at a large yeah, gathering that we were at party. so of all these this large you know at a beautiful uh, park winery thing of all you know, it was just like happenstance you just happen to have come across this person I look back and think, was it? Was it a coincidence? Mm. Or, but anyway. Well, so often we believe more in synchronicity than coincidence. Yeah. Well, and someone that was into um, esoteric, yeah. roomy and poets and, and was a really emotional sort of bloke and, and just into the spirit of things. And I met him. You did. You did. And I clashed with him. You did. And we did not get on at Correct. all. And I couldn't stand being near him. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Now, isn't that weird? And yeah. I tried so hard, out of respect for you guys, yeah. to find common ground with yeah. him that it wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah, and so then he was involved with these other guys, and they had a whole lot of other things that were going on. And, and some of them were legal. Yeah. I didn't know anything about anything that was illegal going on. Yeah. So thinking back on it, there might have been some things of a small nature going on in the background yeah. that I didn't know about. Because the things that they tell you about sound really good charitable events mm. things that are helping out uh, um, less fortunate so it all sounds there's always that the, that beautiful great it's just in the background just a tinge of uncertainty but there was all that beautiful stuff happening and just a little bit of a tinge and you sort of you know you block it out of your mind you think no no yeah, it's like, well, 90% sounds fantastic, but yeah. 10% not feeling good. Yeah. I'm going with the 90% because yeah. it's such a beautiful story and I yeah. want to be a part of it. Yeah. So there was probably a little bit of um, foolishness on my part, probably not to to do enough due diligence or to to be a little bit um, manoeuvred by these people and what they were um, thinking of doing. So It's hard, though, when you're a person who, and I know prior to your situation, that... Or your story that you were somebody that led your default was always kindness 
acceptance. Yeah. So it's hard to become the skeptic when that's not your default setting. Yeah. yeah. Because I know I've been like that too. And I am often told by people that are more skeptic than I am, you're naive, you're gullible, you're going to get done. And I've been done a few times yeah. for, yeah. you know, scams and things. But I feel like I want to say to you, cut yourself some slack on the fact that there wasn't due diligence. Because if the default setting in somebody is mm-hmm. to accepting, kindness, mm-hmm. non-judgmental, why yeah. would you want to change that and become a cynic in this world? And oh, it yeah, was no. always like that, though. It was always, let's do it on a handshake, because I believe in you, I believe what you're saying. It was never sign here. Mm-hmm. It was always, you know, the handshake means something. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think the acceptance thing was an Achilles heel, though. I think the... As in them accepting you in? I think my acceptance issue was a, a, per, a precursor to the problem. I think because I tried to get acceptance from people, you lose radar as to what's right and what's wrong. And that's probably... So you, can I use other words to suggest is that where your desire to be liked, to be approved mm-hmm. of, to wanting to be a part of things mm-hmm. has driven bad decisions? Yes, yeah. yeah, I think that's often the case in life. Bad choices. So, you know, that, that need to work on yourself to get past all that um, is what you need to do. It's, it's, um, it's being a, a free spirit and, and being compassionate and loving people and doing all that stuff, but it's also you've got to have that ability to go, you know what, if someone's not on the same path as me, I can cut that. Yeah. You have to have that because if you're just yeah. going to be that that person, that side of it only, you need the other half. Not the cynical side, but the ability to go, you know, this isn't right. My integrity is telling me that this is the way that I'm going and not anyone is going to take me off that path. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really important. And that's where I feel, you know, self-development, learning who you are, doing Mm -hmm. shadow side work, doing Mm -hmm. inner child work, Mm -hmm. you know, so that that inner child that's needing the approval of others is not driving the show. And so really in life, Perhaps it is luck. I know that's not a very spiritual word, but let's let's use it. Perhaps it is luck that at what point in our life do we get to be able to develop ourselves, to heal ourselves, mm-hmm. to grow whole in self-worth so that we are not vulnerable to those situations? And I think it's a bit of luck whether you've done that before you're placed in a situation where you need the boundaries or is it a bit of bad luck that you haven't done that work yet now you're placed in a situation and therefore you haven't got the tools for the boundaries. Yeah, maybe. See, my mum, I, I had to do counselling as part of my um, um, parole conditions and part of that was to look at uh, my early childhood and mum, my mother hasn't had an easy path probably and that she had an ability to expect a certain level and her um, per uh, her way of expressing that was to say, oh, yeah, you're hopeless, and so... Shaming. Yeah, 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 you're never yeah, good so enough. You're she not, didn't yeah. know that that constant feeding was going to have, would have some effect on decisions. Because it's, it was only the two of them, so she's going to lash out, she's going to, um, I don't know what the word is, not lash out, she's going to burden him with her... Her stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's not an excuse for the... Um, uh, no, but it's part of the unravelling of the it's understanding. It's part and of the understanding that you go through later to go, OK, let's try and work out why um, you needed the acceptance and why 
because the only way to get past it is to actually understand what's happened before. So exactly, and if they don't do the work and work those out, work that out, and join the dots, mm-hmm. gain the tools yeah. to, you can have Groundhog Day. You're vulnerable yes. to another experience yes. of light switch has gone off, that's and I'm right. doing something that's, that's ex- not for my higher self. I agree yeah. totally. Yeah, and that's what this podcast is all about: is sharing of the story of what what led to this. Yeah. So that people can really see how important it is. Yeah. Self development, yeah. and to really own their own stuff and grow to the best of their ability, regardless of what their past stories are from childhood. And yeah. it is a real, not an excuse, but it's an absolute real part of the story. And that inner child is running everything that happens negatively in our lives. Yeah. My belief every time. Yeah. So you then were in a situation where you felt you needed to impress a lot of people. Um, or oh, oh, you wanted their approval? Yes. Yeah, probably. And, yeah. and I also just, uh, with that charitable work, I just felt like I need to change things to to try and help people out. So there was more of that just help. You had the awareness that yeah, just wanted systems to need to change. Help people if I could, and I probably did that too much to my detriment. In an attempt to keep these beautiful people anonymous, I have edited up the following section. However, I did ask the question, did he embezzle a very large amount of money, as was at the time reported widely in the media? So basically I was doing share trading and doing some options contracts. So you would do an option contract and then it would, it would, um, you'd get paid for it and then the money would go back. So they were sort of like um, $1 million transactions each, mm-hmm. but over the... Period. That's why you don't. You look at that figure and go, "Oh, yeah, that is a large figure." How come I never thought that? But because I was only buying parcels of shares and then selling shares, or just writing options contracts over them to him. So, right. for personal gain, um, I wasn't really happy with that charge. I was happy to accept the charge, but I think if I spent it in money personally, I think then I should have had that. But the lawyers advised me that. Um, if I've got a good lawyer, I wouldn't... And they tricked me on the stand and I could get sentenced to a higher time because I'd argued... And because you... The system's there that if you actually accept the, the, the thing straight away, you get a little discount off your sentence. Whereas if you actually um, go to trial, then you'll get stick with... You'll get with the whole lot, so... Yeah, the, yeah thing, and because, you know, lawyers are very clever, so that whilst you could be explaining something, they can manipulate it their way, um, and because it's their game, the law, you know, the court, that's the lawyer's game, the way that they explain it can turn, <coughs> excuse me, can turn the story around. So in some ways you're better to make concessions and say, OK, I, I did that. Because it will earn you a concession. So it's really a negotiation rather than an admission of really what the truth is. Yeah, you never get to. Um, I mean, most cases they don't get to the truth. The lawyers and the and the judges have coffee around the corner and they discuss your case out of chambers um, and come up to their own conclusions as to what you should have. So that is just the system. Um, have you lost faith in the system? Oh, I have. Have you? Um, I have big time. Big not really, because I never really had a lot of... Um, respect for lawyers anyway the profession I think the people are different but I don't for the profession yeah. the system yeah I, I, yeah. I just think we want yeah. more laws and we make it more complicated and we're just trying to get someone all the time <laughs> it's a human system so it's going to have its problems like, you just have to accept that that's 
And that was that acceptance well, again. I just accepted that that's what it was, and let's just move forward. And because by the time you get to that stage, it's you know nineteen months down the track, you really just want to know what's happening for your own mind when. when right. Why would I have to lock my brain in for? Yeah. When. Now let's talk about judgment. Yeah. The first thing I want to ask is how hard is it to sit in public judgment mm-hmm. when the story was not as accurately portrayed as it perhaps could have been? Was that hard to sit in false judgment? No. You're okay with that? I'm okay with that. I don't, Again, um, acceptance. You really are the epitome of acceptance. Yeah, I think um, people will draw their own conclusions from it anyway. So I just I probably got to a stage where. You know, I really couldn't give a shit about what people think. Um, I have to deal with the, the situation myself and I just have to move on and I'm not going to continue to look back. So if people want to look back and judge me that way, you know what, go on your own path. I've got enough confidence now to know that I'll attract the right people to come into our lives when they're needed. What about your beautiful wife, though? Mm-hmm. I had How a lot it? of trouble. I, and not being judged personally because um, I've never it's never bothered me what people have thought um, because I know I know the truth and that's fine but I think I went into a little bit of a protective mode uh, because what you see in the headlines isn't necessarily what has happened uh, what happened in the media um, and I used to be exactly the same you would see something on TV and you would judge it straight away oh my gosh she did that she did that uh, but now going through that experience in fact, I can honestly say we never watched the news. And I had a lot of support. I had a lot of text messages uh, coming in. Um, we support you, you know. Gosh, what a silly thing to have done. But you know what? He didn't rape, murder. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, that sort of a crime. Um, I could probably tell you off the top of my head, and there may be more, there was probably two or three people that were that were uh, a little bit more judgmental. One, more to the fact, and it was friend, that he couldn't, uh, and he was a, bit, a little bit more simplified, he couldn't understand why it didn't come to him with this problem, right. um, and which I found really unusual. I think he probably thought he, he could have helped and solved the problem right. for him, but he was looking at it at a more simplistic level. Uh, but I've never felt, I've never, I could honestly face anyone and not feel any, well, I didn't do anything. And I guess you know, I'm more protective of him because I know the story, how it evolved, but I don't think I ever felt any... I, I wouldn't feel funny facing anyone over it. I Good. feel nothing. That's beautiful because I could imagine that, you know, people, some people will withdraw yep. from people that are potentially being judged yep. because they are not wanting to be judged by association. And I don't think I judge so much before, like I said, I, I honestly do not judge as much. When if something had happened, I would think to myself, well, I don't know the full story, benefit of the doubt, and move on from it. There's a gorgeous gift. Yeah. What's jail like? Um, well, it's not like the American shows that they show you on TV. It's not Orange is the New Black? No. <laughs> no. I haven't even it's seen not, that show. Yeah, it's not hard jail time stuff that they... I've watched some of those shows because that's a big show in, inside, but... Um, they, people just laugh at the sensationalism of how the um, the media actually portray it as a, a as a gang style um, a threatening environment. It's not really. Um, it's it's more about the loss of liberty and not being and being stuck. 
So, um, which was your original fear mm-hmm. that was causing the panic in your life, wasn't it? That yeah. So the I don't want to be trapped. The eight hours a day that you're out, or um, well, actually in remand, you're not out anyway. So, you know, that's the twenty-four hours a day that you're inside a place um, with no chance of getting out. It's not being able to see your friends and stuff like that. So it's more a mental, it's more a mental game right. than anything else. But um, if you keep your head down. Um, it's not not a, a tough environment. So you felt uh, safe? Yeah, I never feared. Um, I never feared anything um, because I wasn't involved in drugs. If you're involved in drugs and you're actually inside trying to get drugs, um, then that becomes a, an environment that's... Or if you're, you're walking around uh, like the big man, then that can be a problem because there'll be other alphas that go, well, hold on, I don't like him because he's... Right, so you've got the social pecking order happening in there? Uh, there's an order, but um, I, look, I really didn't take much notice of it. I just um, just went about doing my own thing. And um, Well, there were some stories you told me where, you know, the breakfast uh, stuff would be laid out, you know, and the, and there was a, a sort of a pecking order. Because... Yeah, people would really run out to the uh, to the get wee bix <laughs> And, you know, the, the bread was a big thing and... And so, so in the the romance, they put it out on a on a table, and then they let everyone out of their room cells, and and the the stronger ones would run out to there and grab the whatever they wanted. So if they wanted the whole box, they just grabbed the whole box, and well, who's going to do anything about it? So right, yeah, it's right. probably a little bit of a pecking order, but I think as you get out of a smaller environment into a bigger area, then it becomes less and less obvious that that's what's going on. Did your sense of needing acceptance, approval, to be liked, which had been a big factor in, in contributing to the story up to this point. Did that continue in jail? Um, probably not, but uh, because but the, the skill set of being able to uh, get accepted probably helped me through it. As in you knew how to get people to accept you? Correct. Right. So yeah. isn't it interesting that something that causes a problem mm-hmm. actually results in a That's solution in another around. situation? I had to turn it around and use it to to an advantage. So I just used it and thought, right, so I don't want, I would need it, but how can I use it to actually make the path through as smooth as possible, which is what I did. Mindset. So you would have had a lot of time to think. What were the aha moments that you had? Aha moments, probably that uh, looking over the events and, and seeing where I could have changed the path at any time. Probably thinking that um, that uh, money, just for money's sake, doesn't really matter. Um, so recognising that up to that point had like the material possessions been important to you. I was a little bit driven. And, you know, well, I guess if you're going to be in a situation where you're seeking approval from people and you're moving in circles with very successful people, mm-hmm. then yeah. it is yeah. a keep up with the Joneses bit, isn't it? It's a, mm-hmm. You want to have the nice things mm-hmm. to look yeah. like they're equal. Would yes. that be no, part of it? No, I never felt like that. I probably had my own drivers, really. I've never really worried whether I drove a Porsche or drove the clapped-out car, and I'm probably still like that. Yes, that's I'm true. Not a, I'm not a spender. <clears throat> Yeah, I probably um, went through those aha moments about acceptance things, about maybe not being grateful enough for the things I had. Um, 
family and stuff like that because you know it's um you're helpless in there so the anguish is actually mm-hmm. mental on what you're doing to um everyone else to your family now i know that at the time that this happened yep i remember yeah. having a chat with you and saying there's going to be some beautiful gifts for you yeah and one might potentially be about independence okay yeah because i think at the time you'd mm-hmm. felt that your life had been mm-hmm. You'd always been very dependent on yes, others. Yes. So yeah. did that gift happen? I think you're right. And I think what happened was that when we got together, and st- still are incredibly in love. You two you, seem closer than ever. I think we probably are. I, I said that, though, haven't I? And I think that because um, I cried every day for a year and a half, every day, and um, went to did all the right steps, went to psychologists, psychiatrists, and I think the thing was all the same. You're not suffering from depression or anxiety. You're suffering from missing himness. Like you just miss him. Almost like a grieving. It was, and because yes, it is. Yeah, you're right. And I was so independent beforehand, and then met him, and we just did everything together. And he is, and was, and will always be so caring and gentlemanly, and um, will do anything for you. So I was like the princess, I, I and still are. I have everything done for me. I just, you know, obviously I'm a bit thirsty. I'll get you a drink, and not in a sappy, we, you know, uh, sort of way. Just a real kind because he's doing it for you. And then I lost that. All of a sudden, I was by myself, um, and I had to do things and stupid things like, oh, how many more times am I going to have to put the bins out? You know, just really silly things. But um, look. And luckily enough, I found a job, you know, because I had to. I, and, and I've done it before. It's just that, you know, and it was probably a bit of preciousness, is that a word? preciousness in myself that I had to get over it and become a lot more independent with doing things. And I think that growth there, dare I say, was almost worth it. Well, that is the gratitude. <clears throat> yeah. Because when we find the gifts in the experience, mm-hmm. we heal. Yeah. And we're yeah. grateful that the experience occurred. That's now, right. if I look at my dark nights of the soul in my per- in my private life, yeah. each time I now can sit comfortably and say, thank goodness that happened, because if yeah. I hadn't, yeah. I don't think I'd be the person I am no. today. And I don't want to say that I'm grateful that has happened, but an event, I think, had to happen because I'm very comfortable um, with myself. Uh, I think I was before. But I think it's just pulled the reins in, told me to refocus, and um, I have a lot more positive. I think it was a chance for us to grow, wasn't it? Because we're heading down a path where things were going to unravel, just between us. Uh, My doing. All that was going on, I was very distant because I wasn't there, really. I was always constantly thinking I couldn't get to sleep at night. I couldn't um, fix it, and I was in the process of trying to fix it. But, yeah, it just... I couldn't fix it quick enough. When he, when we first met, he was on his way over interstate to do work, and he made the decision to stay because he'd met me, which was beautiful. But I said to him, you know, if you hadn't met me, you wouldn't be in prison. This wouldn't have happened to you. And he said, I would rather have been in prison and met you than not. Well, that's a gorgeous love story, isn't it? <laughs> that's beautiful. But that is the gratitude that we want to look for. At this point, we're halfway through the interview, and so I wanted to check in to see how comfortable they were both feeling. When I first arrived to do the interview, I was aware that he was feeling a little embarrassed. 
So I wanted to make sure that we had alleviated that and that he was feeling comfortable. His answer surprised me. It's an initial thing, it's, yeah. Especially with women, because um, I've found them a little bit more judgmental. Oh, women are so much yeah. more judgmental than yeah. men. Even in so we, we have uh, women prisoners, uh, women guards, and they actually, they're worse than the male guards. Interesting. Mm. To, to prisoners in general, and I That's don't know true. why they actually mm. have them in a male prison, to be honest. I think it would be a lot better to have them out, because actually they're the ones that cause all the problem. That's wow. Well, does the rehabilitation work? No. That was pretty quick, fast answer, know, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Not that I'm surprised to hear yeah. that. There is no. There is there, no. Uh, under the previous government, not the current one, but under the previous government, all those programs were scrapped. So pretty well, they, they think they've got programs in there, but they don't understand. And they don't have people that understand, and they don't draw on the people that have been in there to explain things that need to happen. I have, mm-hmm. I have conversations mm-hmm. with my parole officers and they agree with everything that I say. Um, some of them have actually been in the system as officers and now come out working in parole. Um, but there's that, um, there's that you know, acceptance that nothing, nothing changes because um, the, the people up the top a program to actually um, just put them inside and then you let them out, just put them inside and let them out, cut costs. Well, what about the example when you went in, you were uh, addicted maybe, I'm not sure, to his um, anxiety medication. The minute he went in, nothing. No, We can't wean you off, we can't prescribe them to you so that you can wean off. We don't prescribe them in here so you can't have them. So you're cold turkey. Cold turkey. And then it was mentioned to him, however, if you want your sentence to go quicker or you want the experience of prison to go quicker, um, you can go on methadone. And that way you're zonked out half the time and, it'll, you know, the time will just pass. But then you, would I, am I naive in thinking you would come out a methadone Correct. addict? Correct. Yeah. And when I've been... This is, are you serious? Hang on. That is actually, that was offered to you. Yeah, you could have, you could have gone in there and said that you were having problems and you needed to get something in. Or you could have lied about your uh, about your past and gone, you know what, I've been on something and I'm addicted. And I'm sorry, I'm having a little moment here of no, horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're creating addicts. Correct. Well, I don't think they are. No, I think they are. Well, sorry, I won't interrupt. But they're not helping the problem because if you're an addict and you go in there, there's no wean-off program. There's, let's just keep you fooled up. You know, some people increase their doses, probably why they're inside the, the methadone, and all the problems in jail are actually caused by the people that are on drugs because you know they keep it in their mouth, they spit it out, and they sell it off, and you know, a lot of things go on inside. Um, Do you feel that drugs is a big, big part of what's going on in prison? Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, they don't stop it not coming in. Well, it used to come in the the food orders and stuff like that, but they've clamped down on all that. But it still gets in, and it's still around for some reason. It's just still. Um, what about networking within there? Do you see that, you know, is there any form of rehabilitation to prevent the networking of, I'm imagining, in goes somebody that has gone in for a, what we would call a white-collar crime mm-hmm. that then is recruited to move mm-hmm. into whatever the reverse of the opposite yep. of white-collar yep. crime is that moves yep. into drug dealing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. theft and mm-hmm. things? I don't know. Is that sort of stuff going on? 
Yeah, yeah, probably, but it just depends on your own right and wrong, I suppose. Um, I think it's, in my experience, it's very difficult to make that change because your mindset, you've never been in it and you wouldn't want to be in it. So, you know, because all you could really see, you wouldn't be able to trust anyone. One, one thing you actually realise is that you couldn't trust anyone. So as soon as you went into and to do something with someone and they were on it, forget it. Like, you know, if they get caught, you're going to spend a long stint. So that's where that punishment that you've been through comes back to your mind and you go, you know what, <laughs> it ain't worth it. Were you frightened of being coerced into things no. or set up? No. Like we see in the, mm-hmm. on the, the TV jail shows. TV shows. Yeah. You just don't put yourself in those positions. So I worked in the kitchen. I could have worked in an outside road gang. Why would you do that? Because people are going to ask you to bring that stuff back in. You would never accept that sort of a role. So you just don't accept a role where, you know, in another another place, you could be um, someone that drove the tractor around the boundary. Well, why would you do that? And I worked in the library. In one place, I was feeding people. Um, you know, you could give extra chips and stuff like that. In another place, you were writing letters of recommendation for parole and, and home detention and all that sort of stuff. So you just put yourself in a position where, you know, you were useful enough to people and give them respect. Because I was not judgmental about it, all their stuff too, I could just write, honestly, although, you know, um, half the time they would lie to me about the fact that they'd cut their bracelet off or something like that anyway, so I'd get a rejection letter back. And they'd go, I can't believe they've done that. And I, my first question would be, well, have you ever... Um, absconded on home detention oh yeah once or twice well, it would have been handy to have known that so what was the day like when you walked out I was still nervous I yeah, was thinking I was... something's going to happen something you know this can't be happening as in something's going to happen to prevent him leaving yeah. that, you know they're going to yeah. say whoops we've made a mistake sorry you've got two more years that's right yes yeah. right it was yeah. so you were anxious I was yeah. anxious because I didn't know whether the press would still be hounding on a story that was finished yeah. because they like to drag things up instead of just leaving people be um, and that's what I thought when I was driving up. I thought, if there's a whole stack of press out there and I could not get my heart rate back again, I was doing my breathing, all te- te- techniques that I'd learnt, and um, I was so relieved when I turned up and there was no one there. And I'm not an aggressive person, but I would have flattened someone if they'd been there. Do you think you would have? Yeah. But would that have not risked you going back in? Yeah. That's what I was anxious about, because right. I just had that much... Right. You know, just leave it alone now. You know what? I don't go and delve into your dirty laundry. I bet if I wanted to and had the resources, I could find stuff. And let's see what you think. Yeah. If we put the light back on you. But after that initial five minutes, I got past it. And then it was just, uh, it was a bit surreal because I'd been doing six months of the Parks program. I'm not sure what that is. Parks program is you go to a park and you... Um, clean up things. I was actually cleaning barbecues and like cleaning community service, yeah, community right. service and, yeah. and cleaning toilets. So, so mm-hmm. I'd done that. So I had a little bit of um, being out, but not completely. So I was just a little bit. Uh, but then you realise, you know, that you were strong enough to get through the experience. So you should be strong enough to make that change. So then it was just trying to get back into it. a little bit like buying a new car. It seems new for the first couple of weeks and then after a while it just, it's like you've been driving that car. What about your relationship when he got home? It was a little bit surreal, um, but he didn't just come home. He um, he was in the uh, pool. I, I was in a, in a, in a, last, in a last bit, so 
she would come and visit me and you could be there eight hours whereas before it was, a, it was only a certain amount of time so you could actually be in there a lot longer so and then um, as part of your release you get uh, to go out for a day then you get to go out we for do. two days and that, yeah. that's as long as you can do and then you can get to go home but I felt privileged anyway because um, a lot of guys don't have anything to come out to so yeah, whilst I can see that they're in a spin there's a lot of compassion for their situation and really coming out feeling of them coming out to an empty parking lot with maybe some old drug mates picking them up or no one and your belongings in a clear plastic bag yeah still gets me a little bit choked up because they've got nothing to go to and people bristle about well why do they get a, a housing trust place and I'm thinking well what do you do with them then yeah. What what do you say? So just turn your back, and yeah. you know a lot of these people are, are come from dysfunctional homes. Would not if it's it's about your influence of what's around you. If you get out of jail and you're only with other people that are still offending, you're going to offend. It's a a setup to fail. It is, isn't it? it? Is. You need it is. they need people that have actually got um, a normal mindset and a normal life to come around them and then show them a different way. So the system should be recruiting you as somebody who's consciously gone through this journey mm -hmm. with respect, gratitude, lessons learnt, mm -hmm. ownership of mm -hmm. past emotional states, working through clearing, healing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good point. Therefore, you would be the role model for how they too can become high-functioning. Correct. That's actually a very so, good point. Because I don't think you can understand the system unless you've been through it. You can't get a social work degree and be the head of correctional services and really get an understanding of what it's like to have been in a situation where you, one, were offending, and two, were in jail, and three, you have no support when you get out. There's no way. You can't fact, get that from a uni degree. Another good point is when he sat before the parole board and they said to him quite nastily, um, not like, OK, congratulations on reaching this step, but if they said to him, once a criminal, always a criminal. You'll always be a criminal. And that's come from the parole board. But that's a problem, because, and I, I accepted that, because it's come from someone that's actually been a police person for 40 years and has that conditioning. So you understand yeah. that that's his conditioning and you accept that. I actually felt sorry for him, really. Because I'm thinking, if you take that mindset out into normal life, well, then you've got a pitiful life, really. Yeah. So really, I just I accepted it and felt compassion for him that that he actually was a soul that um, that didn't get anything back from. He's served the community and got nothing back to rehabilitate. Because I think that they need rehabilitation back into normal life when they finish, and that's my one fear with um, people that I know that may be going into the force that they'll get to that age and also be that cynical, grumpy um, person that he was. Mm. <laughs> that mm. mindset, that training. It is, isn't it? It's constant. They see, they see people that are going through tough things all the time. They get lied to constantly. They get, you know, the excuses and all that sort of stuff. And that's one thing that needs to change in, in the jail mindset is you've got to get these guys to accept the problem. Well, the acceptance is such a key around everything we've spoken of. Yes. From the start of this chat, mm -hmm. is your, you are incredibly accepting. <clears throat> and that clearly has been the key for you to survive this experience and come out not that bitter, cynical, angry, 
you know, person that, well, you weren't that person before. No. So, but you could have become that person mm. as a result of the experience. Yeah, maybe yeah, with a different mindset. Yeah, mm. that mindset. I would never be that. I just couldn't see it. You could put me in there another six years, and I couldn't be that mindset. You seem to be rather passionate about this rehabilitation. That how it could be done. Do you see it as something you want to in the future? I'd be happy to do it on a volunteer basis. I don't think that correctional services actually get their mindset around having a person with a criminal history in their system. And another thing that's happened is all the charitable things that used to offer programs, they've all pulled out. Um, And the the token religious thing really is to send a pastor in to talk to people. Um, And look, I would never undermine what they do, but, you know... It's It's not effective enough. It's not enough. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys go to church because they think it will help them with their parole. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. You know, yeah. What can I do? Yeah, to look good. Yeah, yeah. and the correction has that, that, that program too. So um, victims of crime stuff and, and stuff like that, they do these programs because it gets them their parole. They, don't, they talk the talk while they're in there. Right. So they're not really walking the walk when no, they're out. And, and correctional services are then ticking off the box and say, well, we tried and, you know. No, yeah. We're not worried about it anymore. Yeah. And I think that's not always their fault. It's budgets and you, know, you get what you pay for. So if you don't pay for rehabilitation, you'll get more crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where's the anxiety level for you at now? How have you gone about um, not being that person, you know, not experiencing anxiety? Have you, have you done some healing of your past of the need to be approved or accepted, liked, that was, it was set up clearly in childhood for you. Mm-hmm. It's a slower process. It's a, but, um, I can see looking back on it um, when we said we were going to do a chat that um, it's come a long way. Yeah, it's, it's come a long way. And probably, I don't know, 90% of the way, 95 There's still just a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's certainly a lot different. Um, so you do, you have to go through that. Um, journey. Mm. Congratulations, I think that's amazing. If you're 90, 95% through that, mm. that's incredible. And I personally don't believe that we ever actually get to the 100%. No. That one little bit, mm-hmm. though, that one little bit is your new radar. Yes. And every time that yes. flares up, yes. to go, hang on a tick, it's almost your, your radar to stay heart-centred person of kindness that you want to be. Yeah. And so episodes... I call them episodes where, you know, the inner child flares up, is a really good way for us to stay in check. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if you don't have that 5%, you haven't kind of got your radar going on. That's very true. And I think you're you're allowed to have those episodes. You've got to give yourself permission to have them because you've had that journey, you've learned from it before, and I think it's important to go through um, whatever the episode is but you've got to reset and you think to yourself, okay, this has happened, I can't need to reset. This, I've learned that lesson. Have, the, have your moment and reset and start again. Yeah, and I feel that it's also that 5%, what you notice is that where maybe you had episodes every hour mm-hmm. or every mm-hmm. day or whatever, mm-hmm. as we heal mm-hmm. our stuff, the episodes, the gaps between the episodes yes. get longer. I agree. 
And the other thing that I think happens is that the period that we stay in the episode gets shorter. So where maybe you could have consistently stayed in inner child need for a week consistently Mm -hmm. or a month or a year Mm -hmm. or a decade, now you might find that the episode happens and you can recover, acknowledge it, Mm -hmm. and implement the tools that work within Mm -hmm. 10 minutes even. I I absolutely agree with that, 100%. You need to know your markers, and I suppose you learn the markers, and... Um, I did a little bit of uh, NLP training where I grabbed the anxiety thing and made it a small bubble to try to... And then after a while you don't look at the bubble anymore and then after a while you're not even thinking about it. Like I can go to a sport event now and not even think about... Because you have that memory. It's all about what's been programmed in your mind. If you have a period of anxiety for 18 months... And it's going to take your time to actually just shrink it down, shrink it down, shrink it down. You've just got to play at it and just realise you're getting better at it. You get better at it, you get better at it, you get better at it until it's flatlined. Now, you might have every now and again, so then you'll be going, all right, every three months I might think about it, every six months I might think about it, every one year I might think about it, every ten years I might think about it. How good does it feel to go out to a sporting event now? Mm. Yeah, it's good that I can go to a sporting event and not even have an act. Alcohol beverage, which I've done. Yeah, which he had to do before. Fantastic. So I can yeah. just sit down there and just... Well, I'm sitting down there now and I'm just... If I get a feeling of what I was like before, I just sit there and go, you know what, um, it's ridiculous because I should be really grateful that I'm one of the number of people that are actually here to experience it. So Again, gratitude. Yep. Beautiful. That's been the biggest thing for me is to try to be grateful and I've only actually got back to a book recently I still search for all that stuff and I've only just got to a stage in the last couple of days where I thought you know what I don't need to be searching anymore that book's actually grounded me more and I'll actually end up buying that book okay which book is it um it's Rhonda Burns gratitude book or it's actually um it's uh what's it called so Rhonda Byrne, she was the um, author of The Secret, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, but this yes. is just a book on, um, oh, I've forgotten what it's called, it's not here, Magic. It's just about being grateful for everything in your life. And that, and I think a lot of times you just need to make it simple and just gravitate to that one word, whatever it is for you. And for me, it was just to be grateful. So now I'm just grateful for everything. I'm grateful for the offence, I'm grateful for the punishment. I'm grateful. You, you know, you give yourself permission to be like that. And uh, once you give yourself permission, you're giving yourself that authority and you can move past it. Because I think if you dwell on it, it just eats away and manifests. You've just got to say, you know what, I'm allowed to be like this. I'm allowed to be in this grumpy mood. I'm allowed for, you know, you accept it and you move on. <laughs> so whatever situation they've got, if they've got support from people that will do things for them I think that's all that gives you that grounding to to get past almost anything so as a society it's really our our individual job to step up and be supportive to others Mm -hmm. because we lack that so much as a society don't we that's true well we're governed by you know Facebook and and uh, and banks and stuff like that that put and then you know, working environments where people are expected to do too much for the role. Um, and, you know, this has come about through um, people being greedy about getting cheap labour overseas instead of trying to fix the problem in the country. Like, 
it's about chipping away at some of those things and saying and saying no, that it has to every little person will make the change. I think it will change. I'm actually very positive that these things will change. I'm positive too. I think they will. Yeah. It gets um, to a situation where there's a critical event and, mm-hmm. and these critical events <coughs> are happening now. Terrorism is a critical event. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that people will then start to see, you know, what, what is really life about and I think that evolution is happening everywhere now and I think um, it's exciting times to be is. alive yeah I keep telling my mum it's the best time yes and it's an exciting time to be on planet earth yeah absolutely yeah and we chose this lifetime and we chose this path and mm-hmm. you guys certainly chose what would be perceived on the outside as a tough journey mm-hmm. but now after having this beautiful conversation I'm sure our listeners are going to get that that the two of you are living so much in acceptance and gratitude yeah. that your life really is, mm-hmm. feels like it's very blessed and beautiful and quite divine, full of rich connection. And I would probably say to your listeners, it was a tough journey. It, it was tough, but it got easier and it was a lot to do with your mindset. Um, how can you turn a, a, a terrible or a bad, you know, on, on any scale, um, a situation from bad to, all right, this is the bad situation. Let's just turn around there. It's still bad, but what can I do to make myself happier or more positive? What can I do because that will make the journey easier? And if you can keep on doing that to yourself, it definitely makes the journey easier. Have something to focus on, um, you know, like a, a goal, I guess. Uh, it sounds... Um, funny because that's what what professional people will say you have a goal do this do that but all those techniques work Um, and I think it's really important to know because I was never like this before I was a little bit more black and white but I do see having a journey and staying positive um, it really helps you so that discipline of the mindset yes that focus discipline of what I'm focusing on Mm -hmm. that which pleases me Mm -hmm. And which, of course, is the law of attraction Mm -hmm. and the law of vibration of what we are actually feeling Mm -hmm. is what we are going to attract. Yeah. Which actually brings us right back to the very beginning Mm -hmm. with your fear turning to a beautiful partner now. Yeah. You're just not using names. Yeah. Your fear of um, being trapped Mm -hmm. at the red light Mm -hmm. got you trapped. Yes. Powerful mind manifests. Yes. And I'm always saying to people that we are manifesting 24-7 whether we acknowledge it or not. Mm-hmm. We're manifesting not just the good stuff but the bad yes, stuff too. Absolutely. So be very disciplined in your thought focus. And, and this is an example of exactly that in play. Mm-hmm. So let's um, heal our past, mm-hmm. be disciplined in mindset, mm-hmm. focus on what it is that you want. Yes. Come from love, not fear. Acceptance and gratitude. Could not agree more. It is. It, it actually is that simple. Yeah, you don't need to make it any harder. I think that's a beautiful note to end this on. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of how one couple successfully made it through their dark night of the soul. So many beautiful gifts of learning have been shared, and like with many dark nights of the soul, they too are grateful for the experience as life is much richer for it. If you would like to join in the post-show conversations, head to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash love life show and if you wish join us in our private love life tribe group where we have many more conversations and thought-provoking discussions and offer support 
by putting in a joining request pinned to the top of the Facebook page. If you are going through a dark night of the soul, please know that you are not alone. Seek out the support of professional healthcare providers. And until next week, have a divine week in acceptance and gratitude. All is well. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.